Okay, welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. Here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. Today, I am joined by my friend, Clifton F. Webb, evangelist at the Wayne Road Church of Christ in Romulus, Michigan. Brother Webb, I am so happy to have you. Thanks for being with us, brother. Thank you for having me. I'm just, it's just an honor to be uh, with you today. You know, you're a great encourager and I appreciate the invite. Uh, well, I'm excited to to let the listeners of the podcast get to know you a little bit. I've really enjoyed getting to know you online. I, I feel like social media has obviously plenty of negatives, but for me, there's been so many positives. And one of the positives has been getting to know uh, other brothers and sisters in Christ, especially other preachers. And Amen. and so the fact that it's it's allowed me to get to know somebody that I haven't ever met in person, but we right. visited on the phone a time or two and we've gotten to right. chat a little bit. And I just have a, a, a tremendous amount of respect for you and, and for what you're doing Thank in the you. kingdom, brother. Uh, likewise, likewise, I, I enjoy everything that you're doing for King Jesus and the kingdom. Um, you know, I I heard about you like uh, through one of your articles, and I said this guy is so humble. Um, the tone of his writing, I said I have to get there one day. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can hear your voice in your articles, and uh, I've learned so uh, quite uh, a lot of things from your articles, and you have blessed me tremendously. Um, in my ministry. Um, um, hmm. I told my wife about you. I say, you know, uh, I, I know you probably heard this. And I, I, I say this move. I said, Brother West, remind me of Mr. Rogers. He's just so nice. <laughs> you know, would you be my, my neighbor? And I'm like, he would, he would fit that role great if they had a movie. <laughs> well, that, that makes my day, brother. I, I, I really like Mr. Rogers. So that, that makes my day. Thank you. Right. Okay. So, so when I asked you what you wanted to visit about, uh, what 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 are some things that we could talk about that would help people in their Bible study? Because that's the theme of this of this podcast is it's not only Bible study, but as we said in the intro, learning to love like Jesus and and studying the Bible with that intention that we want to be like Jesus and we want to love God the way that He loves His Father and love one another the way that Amen. that Jesus loves us. Um, and so the thing that you brought up was about being a critical thinker, and I love that. And that's one of the things that I love about you and that I can see in you is this ability to think critically. So let's kind of define that if you would, just it, to start off, what, what does it mean to be a critical thinker and how does critical thinking play into our Bible study? Okay, well, that's, that's, that's two questions. So let's go to the, the definition of critical thinking. Okay, to be a critical thinking, uh, well, first to give you a little backdrop here, um, I'm taking a, a psychology classes right now because I'm going into a psych program to get my degree in psychology. And as the um, trying to finish up this bachelor's degree to go into my master's in psychology um, in marriage and family therapy. And um, the class I, I took, it was just really challenging, uh, but in a good way, because it, it, it helped you to think critically about the program that you get in. So it's not only just critically thinking about uh, your psych, uh, psychology program, but it's also for your life. Okay. Um, there's a research that tells you that most people that graduate from college, um, they don't have critical thinking skills. Um, and so a lot of employers, that is, not all college students, that is, I'm saying, let me backtrack there. 
there's a research that say when employee, employers are looking for workers, they're looking for someone that have analytical skills, someone that that know how to think out of the box, okay? Somebody that think logically, somebody that critically think. And when somebody develops the ideal of critical thinking skills, that will keep you employed for a while. And that's one of the research that I found out in my class and then in this book about critical thinking. Employers are looking for that. And so when it comes to critical thinking, critical thinking is basically learning how to analyze, to synthesize, how to examine things. Don't take things at face value. Ask questions. Um, say if you're going to school and part of um, passing the class is critically thinking outside what your teacher's giving you. All right, going beyond the assignment. Okay, why am my teacher giving me this? Okay, what is this text actually trying to convey to me? What can I take away from this to apply to my life to make me be a better version of me? Okay, so if I had to define critical thinking, critical thinking is self-evaluating everything that we learn. Okay, questioning things. It's okay to rationalize about the things that we understand, the things that we think that we understand, um, ask questions. Is this is this my own thinking or is my bias? Have I studied this conclusion or am I going based upon because uh, in this sense, uh, my preacher says so. OK, what if my preacher is wrong? <laughs> what if what if what I've been taught uh, is wrong and how would I know that? If I didn't ask those questions, that's just the start of it. Okay. That's kind of loaded. <laughs> so it's different process yeah. in critical thinking. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's so helpful because I think that that's, you know, you, we think about, um, for instance, the Bereans, you know, we often uh, take what Luke says that the Bereans were, were noble minded because yes. they, they searched the scriptures, but the the thing that made them noble-minded wasn't just that they searched the scriptures because the other Jews, the Jews in Thessalonica or wherever it may be, like they were, they they also searched scriptures, but the Bereans were willing to re-examine their position based on their study of scripture. They were willing to listen to what was being preached to them and say, hey, is it possible that that this Jesus guy really is the Messiah, that what Paul is saying about Jesus is true, and they were willing exactly. to be open-minded enough to re-examine their position and, and re-examine what they were doing in light of this new information. And I think so often we get so stuck in a rut um, and we we just assume that we're right, and we and right. we don't think critically about new information or about wh what we're studying or or what we believe. And and so I, I I'm really excited to kind of walk through some of these with you because you gave me what you you said in the beginning were uh, intellectual virtues, uh, and I mm -hmm. never heard that term before, intellectual virtues. But I love that that term. And then you enumerated about eight of those. So let's walk right. through a few of those, and we'll put all of them in the show notes so that people can see all eight of them. But let's walk okay. through a few of those and 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 talk about what are intellectual virtues. Okay, so we're the concept started in in this book um, called the Miniature Guide to Critical Thinking Concepts and Tools. Okay. It's a great book. It's literally a miniature guy. And so I'm looking forward to diving into what goes beyond this miniature because I'm still trying to wrestle with some of the concepts that were so awesome. 
And that's one of the reasons I got into the psych, uh, psych program, psychology program, because I love concepts. OK, um, quick story. I was psyched out a long time ago of taking a psychology class when I was younger because everybody said, oh, it's going to be hard. You got to write papers. Uh, Brother West, when I took that class, the, the professor loved me because <laughs> I had questions and questions because I loved the concepts. OK. And she told me that, well, we see who's going to be the next teacher <laughs> in this class because I really enjoyed the concepts. And so part of the psych of psychology is critically thinking and, like I said, asking mm -hmm. questions. OK. And uh, when I when I look into this book, the miniature uh, guide to critical thinking and concepts and tools, there's eight of them. And I'm going to just lay out eight of them, but we're only going to go over a few. OK. So the intellectual virtues are intellectual humility, intellectual courage, intellectual empathy, intellectual autonomy, intellectual integrity, intellectual perseverance, and also confidence and reason and fair-mindedness. Those are your eight uh, intellectual virtues, okay? And the reason why they say it's a virtue because all of these virtues goes into that whole circle of critical thinking. It shows you the insight that you have, okay? And in each eight, uh, eight of these intellectual virtues, um, they, the authors, um, they have a versus, okay? So there's intellectual humility. What would be the opposite end of not being intellectual hum uh, humble? It would be intellectual arrogance. Okay, we've seen arrogance in the Bible. We've seen the Pharisees in the Bible. They were not open-minded like the Bereans, correct? You brought that out. Um, they were not open to uh, new ideas. They wanted you to walk into and conform to their, uh, their standard of teaching, their standard of ways without questioning them. Um, and so that would look like intellectual arrogance, okay? And sometimes we embody that in the church. Okay, we here, we have arrived, we have studied, and so there's no new, and we, we love this, there's no new thing under the sun. Oh, well, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, new things under the sun <laughs> since the, the proverbial writer said it, but I, don't, I think we sometimes take that out of context. And so is there new ways to understanding concepts? Mm -hmm. um, is there another way to look at it? Have we really studied this out? on our own. And so when we're looking at intellectual humility, uh, Wes, everybody come uh, are born into this world with a clean slate, right? And so you're you're born, you, you know, you don't know right from wrong. And so you're born in a uh, sociological environment where you're raised to uh, believe what your parents believe, all right? Uh, they teach you what they know from their experience and that become part of your experience. Their bias become your bias until you start questioning some of your beliefs, not to say that they're wrong, right? But have you come to a study conclusion of yourself to say, I know what my parents believe, but do I believe this because my parents said this or because I come to a study conclusion of this? That makes sense? That's, yeah, that's, when, that's, that's intellectual humility. To say, I, I always I, say about humility. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. There's a little bit That's of a delay right. there. Um, 
I was just going to say about humility. I always say that just in general, and I love I love the idea of applying humility to our intellect and our reasoning. Uh, but it's it's amazing how humility as a preacher, and I'm sure you you struggle with this as well, when we're trying mm-hmm. to preach on humility, it's one of the hardest subjects because I always say humility is so hard to preach on because the people who need it think they already have it. You know, yes. humble people, humble people never brag about being humble. That's why they're humble. Right. <laughs> uh, and arrogant people are actually the ones who think that they're humble and they're not, you know, and so That's just true. taking the time to, to question where am I wrong? And I love that you said our parents' bias becomes our bias. Do you mm-hmm. think? Do you think that in in a way we all have certain biases? Do we do we all have a bias that we're and and obviously we we would be unaware of it. But do you think we all have certain set of bias? Oh, uh, definitely. Um, that's why, as a critical thinker, um, you start you're in the beginning stage of becoming a critical thinker. When you start questioning, is that bias, is it a bias? That's number one. Mm-hmm. Is it a bias at all? That's number one. Number two, if it is a bias, um, how did it become a bias? All right. And so everybody come with a bias. Brother, we come, when we come to the text, uh, brother, uh, we're come with some kind of programming in our mind. And we're, go- we're reading from those lenses like the Western culture. All right. Most of us have a Western. Uh, we're from the Western civilization. So we're coming with a certain program or bias to the text. All right. Um, part of uh, intellectual humility and critical thinking is you're born in a country. All right. Western civilization. And you're taught certain things that doesn't necessarily mean they're wrong. But have you come to the conclusion to say they're right or wrong? Or have you been handed something from your beloved country that you embrace so much, but yet now you're questioning some things that may not been true, okay? That's intellectual humility. Despite how much I love my country, despite how much I love my parents, they could be wrong. (laughs) They can be wrong. So you have to have the humility to say, I may, you know, let me let me start interrogating my own understanding of this. Have I given my own bias a fair argument? All right. Uh, to play it side by side. So we all come with certain biases, whether we believe it or not. And so that's what we go back to the Bereans. Um, to me, in my mind, you gave the greatest example. It was in my text, and you took it from, and I appreciate you so for the. <laughs> I really appreciate that. But the Bereans, um, that word noble-minded means they were open-minded. They were open to see if they were right or wrong. And to, to, to find out if they were right or wrong, they was willing to search. They was willing to examine, to test it out, just to see. All right? And that's why Luke, um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, um, called them noble. It's a noble thing to ask questions. And we have gotten into the body of Christ where we forgot to just start asking questions because we can become um, intellectually conformed to our own bias. Um, Even being in a church, we have a strong heritage. Don't you agree? Um, In the body of Christ, we have a strong heritage, a rich heritage that I totally on love in the churches, uh, Church of Christ. Um, 
but it's okay to re-examine what's been taught. Um, um, and that can be, that can get hairy with people that believe when they're, your heritage become more important than truth. And so I'm hoping I'm not getting <laughs> sounding ra- too radical here. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it is radicallychristian.com, so it, it, that's okay on here. So. And so you but, have to be no, willing I, to question. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I think I think that the heritage of the Restoration Movement, it it always was a movement of 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 was supposed to be one of questioning, one of of reasoning, one of humility to say where have we where have we gone astray? Where where do we need to get back to what scripture actually teaches? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think along the way sometimes we decided we had arrived at the at the proper conclusions mm-hmm. rather than that being an ongoing process of saying, no, we always need to be thinking critically. We never need to feel like we've arrived. We have all of the answers. And don't you That's think right. I mean we could really we could we could go on and on about this one itself, but but don't you think that 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 there needs to be this this basis and foundation of grace when when we think through being humble and and examining ourselves because I think that sometimes when I try to encourage myself or other people to to examine their beliefs or their positions and, and be willing to re-examine and rethink some things, I think sometimes we've created, we've sort of painted ourselves into a corner so that we feel like if I'm if I'm wrong about something, if you say I'm wrong about this, then you're saying I'm lost. <laughs> you're mm. saying I'm not saved because I'm wrong on something rather than embracing the fact that, no, I'm, I'm saved because I'm putting my trust in Jesus. And because my trust okay. is in Jesus and in his grace, it gives me the freedom to, to admit, I know I'm wrong about something. I know that there's oh, probably yeah. a, a number of things I'm wrong about, but I think if we're not willing to accept his grace, then we don't give ourselves the freedom to be humble and re-examine our positions. And I, I think that is so important what you just said. Um, first, yes, it needs to be a framework and a foundation for us, but we have to teach that as preachers in our congregation. And we're talking about restoration. One thing that constantly need to be reminded when we talk about restoration movement that grace always had to be a part of a restoring call to restoration, <laughs> if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Grace had yeah. to be there because along the way, uh, we didn't always get it right. And that's okay to say. Um, and what happens is um, sometimes th- that's a bias in itself to say that you're saying that I'm lost because I, I taught this. Well, did you come to a study conclusion of that? (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. when you actually start critically thinking about what we're actually saying. Uh, So grace had to come into a play in all of our teaching and the tone. That's why I appreciate your tone and your your writing, uh, how you write. It has such a grace behind it. Like I hear when I when I hear Wes talk in his articles or in your podcast, I hear in your voice without you even saying it, I may be wrong. Okay. <laughs> and then you don't even have to say it. But I think as preachers over time, when we have gotten to the points where we arrive and, you know, uh, we preach so tough and, 
and this is it. Um, that's that. And people don't hear that that tone of grace that, you know, this is my study conclusion. Um, this is what I believe. This is um, what I study and understand after evaluation. Terms like that sounds like graceful terms that there's possibility that I may be off here, but I'm open to um, hearing another side. That's what we have to get to. That's the foundation. But they have to see it in the leaders, um, to be honest. That's why we're here today talk about critical thinking. Critically thinking has a grace moment in there. Critical thinking is not, oh, um, I evaluated this, this you, you were wrong because I studied this. No, no, no. That's 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 very uh, fair. That's the spirit of Pharisees. No, mm-hmm. I'm coming to you because under I'm I'm not under quite getting it. I'm not understanding it. Is it possible that we can sit down and study it? Because I may be wrong. That's critically thinking. And so your members should be able to ask you, um, uh, Cliff, uh, could it possibly be that you're wrong? And you know what my what I would say? Yes. <laughs> but I hope to God that I'm not. And if I am, Lord, teach me thy way. And see, when you start reading the Psalms, brother, and I'm sure you have, but I'm just speaking out loud. Once you start reading the Psalms, it humbles you when you hear, teach me thy way, O Lord, and, you know, cause me to hear thy command, because I may be hearing something else. I may be hearing Cliff, but I don't want to lean on to my own understanding. Help me to lean on you, Lord, and that way I won't mess up because you have given me a charge to preach the gospel, uh, to be instant in season and out of season, but... There's never a point where I want to be out out of touch of preaching the wrong things. But if I am, Lord, teach me. All right. That's humility. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I think we could we could spend a whole hour just on that (laughs) one. But let's go go to the second one uh, on intellect. What's the second one? Intellectual uh, intellectual courage. Um, This is fun. Okay. Um, Intellectual courage. Uh, basically is this. Now that I've started to question my beliefs, start asking the questions and under in that's connect both of them. Intellectual humility is this. What do I really know about myself, about the situation, about another person, about my nation, about what is going on in the world? All right. And it, these questions are important to the, the next question you just asked. OK. To what extent do my prejudice or biases influence my thinking? Because we come with that prejudice or that bias to the text. And if we're not careful, we'll start teaching God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you get what I mean. It's like we want God to think like us versus us Mm -hmm. thinking like God. All right. And we can't teach God because, you know, his wisdom is infinite. And so when we come to that understanding, we have to, it's so hard, but we have to find a way to humble ourselves and move our biases out of the picture and come with that clean slate, okay? To what extent have I been indoctrinated into beliefs that may be false? That's you beginning to ask these questions, okay? And how do the beliefs I have uncritically accepted keep me from seeing things as they are? Our own bias and prejudice can blind us because... Because such and such preacher said this and and the guy before him came and, you know, our pioneer preacher said it. So it has to be right. (laughs) Well, Mm. 
Not true. We're all fallible. We're men. Uh, we're all trying to understand God's goodness and grace and, and according to the measure of grace that God has given us. So it's possible that we love the person so much that, that I know he was just a good soul and he just, the Bible was just right, but I can be wrong. He can be wrong. Okay. That's humility. But intellectual courage, now that I start asking these questions and I start evaluating, are you willing, um, so to speak, to bite the bullet now? Because it may lead it to, to some consequences like um, there may be, you know, one of the biggest things for the last, I would say, the two years that um, I've seen was the, the new creation and the new earth. Um, some people call it the renew heaven, the renew earth. And um, then you have the traditional um, side of it that God is going to destroy it all. OK. And it, we, the only thing we have to look for is heaven. All right. So I would say that's the traditional side, right? Is it possible that we may be missing all the cues like uh, blessed are the meat for they shall inherit the earth? <laughs> all right. Well, we can't say that. Well, why we can't say that? Um, Jesus said it. Well, that's not the earth he's talking about is not talking about this earth. All right. So what earth is he talking about? Uh, have you inherited it yet? <laughs> you said, no. Is, are you saying that you're not meek? No, I am meek because I have the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is what? Meekness. And so if I have the, the fruit of the Spirit is meekness, then why haven't inherited the earth? Then what earth? So we're not asking, are we asking the right questions? Um, if, if, I, if I'm meek, I'm not saying that I'm meek, but I, I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm meek. Brother Webb is meek. Uh, I'd like to believe so. <laughs> but um, in my mind, if I am meek and I have the fruit of the spirit, then what? Um, then why I haven't inherited that earth? And if we're talking about just a car and a, a little slice of heaven, I'm not sure Jesus is saying that. <laughs> All right. Mm. So now I got to go investigate it. So. Now, what if my conclusions lead me to a restore heaven and restore earth or renew heaven and renew earth? Oh, that's Jehovah Witness doctrine. Is it? Hmm. Or is it Bible? <laughs> All right. Or is it doctrine? So if if I take that position and say the renew heaven and renew earth, now I'm going against another, uh, uh, you know, we talk about the restoration movement for a long time. That's what we taught. All right. Uh, God is going to destroy the earth. And you're you're saying that your questioning, your critically thinking, your your conclusion has studied you into a, a new heaven and new earth. And you about to go against this whole tradition. That's intellectual courage. Are you willing to deal with the consequences? That's intellectual courage in a nutshell. Paul was able to have intellectual courage because he knew who he belonged to, and he was persuaded of the same, all right? And so he was intellectually courageous enough to preach Christ is the Savior against a long-standing uh, tradition and heritage that believe otherwise, and traditionally, that's what got him killed. Are you willing to, as a critical thinker, to think out of your theological box 
or your theological box that your your Christian heritage have put you in to say, you know what, I'm going to step step out of this box and I'm going to study context and let context dictate what God is saying and not traditions and heritage. That's radical. <laughs> I just want to take a short break from our Bible study to tell you that if you are enjoying this discussion, you might also enjoy my book, Beyond the Verse. You can find the audio version of the book at radicallychristian.com slash audible. That's radicallychristian.com slash audible. And if you're not already an Audible subscriber, you can actually get my book for free when you sign up for a free trial. So go to radicallychristian.com slash audible. Now back to the Bible study. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and going back to what we said earlier, that, that this is exactly what the restoration leaders were doing. This is what Campbell and Stone were doing, mm-hmm. is they were following the evidence wherever they, they thought that it was going. And they were, they were turning their back on their, their Baptist heritage or their Presbyterian heritage or whatever the case may be. And they were turning their back on that and saying, we're going to do what we find in scripture. We're going to believe what we find in scripture and Amen. we're going to follow scripture wherever it leads. And, and I think that, that sometimes we have, we've assumed that whatever conclusions have been passed down to us, that we have this obligation to hold on to those rather than having the obligation to follow the truth and follow the line of evidence, wherever it may lead. And I love exactly. that you, you brought up both of these things sort of back to back because mm-hmm. they're sort of, two sides of the same coin because exactly. on the one hand we have we have to have humility to say I might be wrong <laughs> but then also the courage to say but I don't think I am you know I think I've, I've <laughs> I like followed that. the evidence that's pretty good <laughs> that's exactly the summarize of that I'm not wrong because I've studied this conclusion but if I am wrong I'm willing to listen again to take another reevaluation at it that's intellectually yeah. Uh, being courageous about what you study, okay? My, now, this is the other side. The opposite is just as true. Okay, what if you did come to the conclusions? Now, this is where it's going to get a little hairy. <laughs> uh, just a little bit. Um, anybody know me, I'm very direct. You probably can tell. <laughs> very blunt. Where a lot of preachers have gone wrong, how, I, I start thinking about this. This is what made me start thinking why this needs to be preached in the church. How many preachers that are held hostage and they have come to similar conclusions? That's, I'm just using an example because I'm not trying to stoke a flame again. Um, the renew heaven, renew earth. What if other preachers have come to that conclusion, but because uh, fear of losing a paycheck, fear of being ostracized, um, have led them not to say anything because they're not willing to wrestle with that bear at this time. Uh, and, and I don't want to call them intellectually cowards because that's the opposite of being intellectually uh, courageous. Um, in this book, it talks about intellectual courage versus intellectual cowardice. As men of God, we have to res- have a resolve within our spirit. If God be for us, then he's more than the world against us, okay? How many preachers have been ostracized because they came to their own study conclusion because it didn't come from a great name? 
have we ever thought about this? Because they actually start critically thinking out of our tra uh, traditional theological box that we have boxed ourselves in. You said the best, uh, another way, painting ourselves against a wall. That's what we do. And so, but if we, are, if we constantly let people know that we're studying and we're examining, we're examining, we're evaluating, and we're trying to reach conclusions, the right, right conclusions, but we're asking for grace along the way. Because I've said some things that was just, just not sound, Wes. I just said mm -hmm. it. And, mm -hmm. and I had to go back over those things and tell the people I was wrong here on what I said. Mm -hmm. I taught this. But intellectual courage tells you, now that you know that you were wrong, you study, you have to have that same courage to go tell your people that you were wrong on the subject matter. Okay, mm -hmm. I apologize. I'm so sorry. But God has opened up my eyes to see the truth. He, so to speak, removed the scales uh, of my mm -hmm. eyes. I taught this because that's what everybody else in the Church of Christ taught it. But after studying the context, context is key um, to understanding any, any literature. But when we put our prejudice and bias um, in the text, we're not preaching God's narrative. We actually preaching our own narrative and we hoping that God mm. fit our narrative and our mold. Now we put God in our theological box. And that's the danger of critically thinking, because every time you think a critical thinker, somebody's thinking in another way to look at it, oh, you must be some radical, or you must be a liberal, and then we start the name calling and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, brother, I've gotten so past certain things um, in my ministry. This pandemic, brother, has truly humbled Clifton F. Webb. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Hear it started helping me you. to see some things a lot clearer um, than I've ever seen before. But that's the thing. We can critically think all day. We can reason all day. Nothing prepare you for a crisis, okay? Mm. And um, something a, a good friend of mine, a preacher, uh, one of our brothers on Conrad's in the Gospel, West Fate Hager, said something. I was listening to his devotion today, and he hit my spirit today. He says, God allows trouble to come that we can be get back in focus with him. And when trouble came, I started revisiting a lot of things than I than I ever imagined because I was able to hear his voice now because of the crisis. You follow? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. and I think that's what happened. This crisis has helped us to even become more critical thinkers. All right? Mm -hmm. Uh the traditional way of doing things of worship I still believe in that. Don't I don't you know, I you know I believe the assembly, the church is the assembly, and that the the um the uh, the assembly should come together um, to worship God. Um, but that pandemic challenged that tradition mm -hmm. <laughs> in a major way. Now mm -hmm. we have we have to find out how to have that same experience, worship experience, and be safe. And then we have to reevaluate our thinking. Is God okay with this? These are good questions to ask. <laughs> have we been wrong? Well, and, <laughs> well, and, you, and you bring up such a, a, a great point with, with so many of those things that you mentioned. And, and I, I think it, it, bears, it bears mentioning that 
that just because we're re-examining things, it doesn't yes. mean we're going to come to a different conclusion than, we, than previous generations. And, and yeah. I think I, I remember having a conversation with a friend one time, how whenever I hear, let's say a church, is, church says, you know, we're, we're re-examining women's roles in the church, or we're re-examining this, that, or the other. And, right. and almost everybody knows that's code for we're going to change it. We've, we've already decided we're going to change it. We're just calling <laughs> it re-examining right, it. You know, right, we're going right, to, we're going to put right. a different spin on stuff. But but I don't think it has to be that way. Why why can't we say, hey, I'm re-examining gender roles in the church, and you know what? I came to pretty much the same conclusion that previous generations came to. Mm-hmm. But but I'm willing to look at it and say, is there new information I need to consider? Uh, for Amen. me, there's so many things in the church. You know, you mentioned worship. There's so many things in the church that that my conclusions really haven't changed, but my, yes. my line Amen. of reasoning has changed over time. In fact, That's I good. did a podcast a couple of years ago where I, I had Travis, my co-host, read off uh, some of the things that I had said in a previous article about instrumental music in the Old Testament. And then I responded to myself and sort of had a debate with myself. And, okay. and where I ended up was I, I still fully embrace acapella singing. I, 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 for lots of reasons, I embrace acapella Amen. singing, but how I get there and how I used to get there are two totally different things. And I, and I think we have to be willing to do that to say, even if we end up in the same place practically that we yeah. were before, we, we can still say, you know what, some of the arguments I was using and the, my dogmatism and my, my reasoning, it, it wasn't solid. And, and I need to shore Amen. up some of my reasoning in there, even, even if I come to the same practical conclusions. I, I, I remember that podcast and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I was going to bring that up um, um, in this podcast. I'm glad you went there because I saw you critically thinking. That was mm. to me, Hero West showing the world as a leader and a preacher that let me take a couple of steps back and revisit the arguments that I've made. And I've heard those same arguments. And by you kind of like resurrecting the dead, <laughs> I'm glad you put it, uh, put, uh, put it back in the grave. <laughs> Some of the, the, the arguments, I said... I'm so glad, Lord, that we have moved beyond these kind of arguments because somebody else from that's a different movement that oppose our understanding of acapella music, that's critically thinking about our arguments, they would they will mop the floor with those arguments. Yeah. Okay. Uh, even when you're not thinking of that, somebody else is critically thinking about our arguments right now. And so critically thinking is not only for us in the church, but it's to gain the naysayers mm, yeah, <laughs> at the end of the yeah. day. So you have to gain them as well. Um, but they're going to challenge you because you have a lot of critical thinkers out there. And critical mm-hmm. don't always mean a bad thing. Um, there's constructive criticism. And that's what I saw um, in the, the podcast that you did on music. And I thought it was very powerful, uh, to be honest, very powerful. And um, some of the arguments there just, um, I give you one, uh, not to bring that up, but since we're there, uh, one of the arguments was, um, we still argue this day, traditionally, um, many of us, well, I don't anymore, but after kind of thinking over the text and reevaluate, we'll take Ephesians chapter five and verse, I think, 18 to 20. And, and 
and all of that rich context there. Hmm. Oh, that's talking about worship. Man, when, the, when you actually do the context of Ephesians, in those three verses, you rob Paul of that beautiful chapter there to push an agenda. <laughs> all right. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of you can see the red flags. The context of Ephesians is two parts. The first part is the first three chapters. Paul is showing you the wonderful blessings that we have in Christ Jesus and how we got there. Okay. Okay. Well, we had just a, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but you were last time I heard you, you were talking about Ephesians five. Oh yeah. So so we were talking about Ephesians chapter five. When we look at the context, um, we were talking about musical instruments and things of that nature. Um, the, how you you know uh, you dismounted the same arguments that you had in the past, but still came to the same conclusion. Um, but one of the arguments I was talking about when we, we robbed Paul of that rich context in Ephesians, Ephesians, uh, um, the first three chapters is talking about the blessings that we have in, in Christ Jesus. Uh, we're saved. We're sealed with the spirit. And uh, we were once this, but now we're in Christ. We were once far, but now we up close to God. And so the first three chapters is talking about all that great stuff. And then God says, after that, through Paul, now that you know you're blessed, now that you know you're saved, you're sealed, um, you're saved. Um, now, this is what I want you to do because I save you. I want you to walk worthy of your vocation, work worthy of your calling, maintaining the unity, all right, of the spirit. So that's a, now you have the context. How do you do that? Then Paul breaks all those things down, chapter four, chapter five, you know, redeeming the time, knowing that the days are evil. Um, not doing the things that you used to do, uh, fornication, lying, and all of those things because you're a new creature in Christ, right? And then we get to that one part, be ye not drunk with wine. You know how you used to get lit and high and all of those things. Um, we don't want you to be drunk anymore. We want you to be, um, we want you to be filled with the spirit, okay? And then some kind of way we get foggy right up in there. Um, then we say, you know, teaching and admonishing one another's in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, um, giving thanks to God, making melody in your heart. I may be quoting it wrong, but I'm saying it fast because I know our time is approaching. Um, and then some kind of way we get lost. And then all of that rich context or oh, the Bible commands singing in Ephesians chapter five. Uh, that's not what Paul said. <laughs> that's not this is what we're saying, but that's not what Paul said. But we understand <laughs> the conclusion, how we arrived to that conclusion, but contextualizing that changes the game, okay? All together. Mm -hmm. the, the, the command actually is be ye filled with the Spirit. <laughs> that's, that's, the, right. that's the imperative right. move. You, you be filled with the Spirit. And that by the Spirit, it ought to overflow and singing lifting God up in adoration and praise. And that's, and then we would say, oh, that's talking about Sunday only. Well, <laughs> Paul never says Sunday. That can happen every day. Well, where do you see that? In the same test where he says, you know, redeeming the time. I don't have to do that just on Sunday. <laughs> that's every day. <laughs> and so uh, when we make that, we're, when, we, when we get into that box and we start contextualizing, things, we get out of that theological box because now we're critically thinking of what we're saying. And some people are scared to see that because we only been saying the Bible commands sing only, which that's not the context. 
That's not the context mm-hmm. of Ephesians chapter five, but context have to be king. Not to say, and sometimes when people hear you say that, Wes, they say, oh, you're teaching that we can have musical instruments. I didn't say that. (laughs) I didn't say that. I just said we cannot argue from this context um, that this is a scene only versus a uh, not scene context at all. That the richness of the test is be filled with the spirit. All right. Mm -hmm. And it ought to overflow in a change of behavior. And singing, um, submitting one, uh, yourself one to another. Why submit unto your own husband? We lose all of that just in those three verses. Yeah. Part of being filled with the Spirit is husbands, wives. Husbands, love your wives um, as Christ have loved the church and how he laid down. Mm-hmm. That's part of being mm-hmm. a, a filled with the Spirit. But some kind of way, we've taken that context to drunken versus non-drunken. One drink. <laughs> two drinks, musical <laughs> instruments, non-instrument. The whole idea be filled with the spirit, and your your and it ought to result in a changed lifestyle, behavior, yeah. and it ought to be with full of praise. And so, that's part of asking questions. Is that what Paul's saying? And so now mm-hmm. we're not saying because I know people are listening <laughs> that we should have mu- musical instruments because we reason a little bit about the text. I think there's good reason why um, the, the scripture was silent on that <laughs> for mm-hmm. for good mm-hmm. reasons, um, and that's what we should be. Okay, yeah. uh, but we don't yeah. have to get there by teaching false doctrine to get to the same conclusion. If that makes sense, <laughs> and, and that's exactly right. And I, th- I think we have to be willing to admit that 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 a conclusion can be true, even if even if you used false reasoning to get there, and the consequences of that are huge. Because somebody right. might say, "Well, what difference does it make if you're getting to the same place? What difference does it make?" And 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 I'll ha- I'll hear people say all the time, you know, well, Wes, I'm I'm traveling to such and such t- city. Uh, do you know a, a good sound church there? A good sound church, and I know what they mean by that. <laughs> yes. They mean they mean you know, do they do certain things and don't do other things? Right. And so they have this <laughs> checklist of things in their mind that makes a church a sound congregation. But right. part of what should what we should mean by a sound congregation is that they use sound reasoning, and Amen. even if they're doing things that I don't disagree with. And they're not doing things that I don't want them to do. They they may not be sound because they're not reasoning soundly. And I've sat Amen. through plenty of lessons, and I've probably preached plenty of lessons that that wasn't sound reasoning. It wasn't healthy, reasonable types of contextual teachings. And we have to correct that. And again, even if we we don't change our practice at all, because some of our practice is rooted in in very good reasoning, but Amen. some of the reasoning that we're preaching and teaching is not yeah. good reasoning. And, and you know, and I, I'm looking at this list, we don't have time to really go down right, it, right. but right. one of the things is intellectual integrity versus yes. intellectual hypocrisy. Yes. And and it really strikes me that, you know, we'll we'll look over at our our religious neighbors, our denominational mm-hmm. neighbors, and we'll say, oh, well, you know, they're misusing this verse or they're taking this verse out of context. <laughs> and then at the same time, we're doing, we're the, doing same the same thing. thing. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and, and it's hypocrisy. And we've got to, we've got to correct that. <clears throat> and that, that leaves, that's why I say all eight of them kind of overlap because that lead to fear mindedness. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fear mindedness of a position. Am I being fair-minded with other people's positions? 
okay? Um, because a certain group or, or our religious friends um, got a handle on the doctrine, um, do we have to label it as that doctrine? Because they taught mm-hmm. it. And that's that's not good theological practice. That's not even good reasoning skills. Because once you do that, you're basing then how you determine your hermeneutics is by what somebody that you don't like or what they practice you don't uh, that you don't agree with is determined by that versus the scriptures being your authority. And unfortunately, we have done that um, from the, the standpoint, uh, you can't do this. Well, why can't we? Because denominations do that. Um, but then you ask the question, critically thinking, well, where are they wrong at on this? Um, where's the scripture for this? <laughs> okay. When you start asking that, they're like, well, I never really thought about it because well, we just never done it because they did it. That's not good practice. <laughs> so who who has become the authority and how you um interpret the scriptures? The ones that you don't agree with. That's not good practice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not theological yeah. um thinking at, at all. So in that in that um, vein, you have to have intellectual integrity to say you have to be true to yourself, um, true to God, true to yourself, and true to your um, the, the, your fellow man. Um, that's mm-hmm. what integrity is. Um, even mm-hmm. though that say I may hold some conclusions in my heart, for me to be true to myself, I cannot preach with good conscience something that's contrary to the gospel that's intellectual integrity because otherwise mm-hmm. i would be hypocritical and i would be going against the very green um of the gospel of jesus christ that uh, jesus actually taught against highly against hypocrisy and so um i told my congregation before and um i love my congregation um uh, to no end brother great 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 family of god um, but I'll never forget, I've told them that I was called to preach the gospel, not our isms. <laughs> so mm. if you want me to preach the isms, then you have to get another preacher because I was yes. called to preach the gospel, not our isms. Mm. And now if I'm not against traditionalism, okay, um, I'm against not studying if our traditions is affecting the word of God in our lives. <laughs> okay. Right. If we're not studying, if the traditions um, are getting away of the word of God, then we got to get rid of the traditions. That's not all mm-hmm. traditions are not bad. Okay. They're good vehicles to help us to meet the command. But if those traditions are in the way, then I can't preach those. <laughs> I can only preach yeah. the word of God, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you have to no, just that be makes fair with your sense. congregation. So I, yeah. I appreciate this conversation uh, to no end. That's so much more. And that's what I, it, as soon as I saw it reading this, I said, the church need this. They need yeah. to know about intellectual virtues. And I've, I think the way the authors do it um, in this guide is a, a great humble way to open it up conversations like you and I doing today to let them know it's okay to reexamine things. It's okay to analyze again, to revisit things. And people are more open than just coming on Sunday morning where I think we're wrong uh, how we teach that uh, Ephesians chapter five teaches um, um, uh, sing only. Well, that wouldn't go well. That wouldn't go well. <laughs> I think it's you have to go a different way. 
and showing people yeah. that we have to have intellectual humility to question mm-hmm. some of the things that we may uh, taught in the past and see if those things are so like the Bereans. That is more receptive yeah. than going just, hey, we're wrong. Yep. Yeah. You didn't lost people. And that wasn't coming from a critical thinking mindset either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely, brother. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this and, and how how I, I'm excited to see the church getting back to our roots, getting back to our heritage of following the evidence wherever it will lead, even Amen. if that means admitting that I was wrong, admitting yeah. that my mama was wrong, admitting that my <laughs> preacher was wrong, whatever right. it means that we have to admit, because we, we're all wrong to some degree, and and we 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 would not be anywhere or be anything or have anything but but for the grace of God. So thank you, Amen. brother, for pointing us back to that. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. And I there was definitely a pleasure. And I tell you, um, I work really hard today. <laughs> I was tired, but it's something about when we're talking about the word of God, you have given me a burst of energy, brother. Now I'm able to like teach that. my Bible class after we get off this call with that the same 100% energy. So I appreciate you just uh, this time. Um, uh, just invite me out again. I'm hoping I was able to um, bless those that are listening, bless you. And I hope um, I didn't say anything that was um, that was contrary to the gospel or out of the way uh, that would cause harm to what you're doing for King Jesus as well in the kingdom of God. Oh, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for being part of the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast today. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I want to give a special thanks to Travis Pauly and to our McDermott Road Church family for making this podcast possible. As always, we love you, God loves you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day.